Today's guest is somebody that I met virtually through a mutual friend almost a year ago and got to know that way, got to collaborate with on a little project, and then finally was able to meet in person at the Violence Dynamics Prime event in October of 2019. And what I discovered was that she is a phenomenally passionate, energetic, engaged, intelligent, motivated, and resourceful woman who is up to something absolutely extraordinary in the world. And I knew that I wanted to bring her on the show because of the area that she focuses in with her programs, which is on self-awareness. You'll understand exactly what I mean about why she's such a valuable resource when you listen to our conversation. Here we go. Welcome to the Born to be a Badass podcast, the show that tackles the subject of women and violence head on and shines the light of what women need to know and do to be safe. Here's your host, fourth degree black belt and self-protection expert, Cynthia Gillicourt. Welcome to the Born to be a Badass podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Gillicourt. My guest today, Kelly Sayer, believes that all women can learn how to be situationally aware to keep themselves and their loved ones safe. Several years ago, she set out on a quest. She took self-defense classes and firearm safety courses. She browsed all the tools that are marketed to women for them to carry for their own protection. But what she couldn't find was somebody talking to women about how to spot a potentially dangerous situation before it happened. That's when she started her own company, the Diamond Arrow Group. Callie is a wife, mother, sister, daughter, and friend. She understands what women deal with every day. Her mission is to help women build their confidence so they can move forward and live life on their own terms. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this for weeks. <laughs> literally, literally. Yeah, I think, you know, ever since we connected through the little self-defense instructors group that we created, I've been really curious to learn more about you and more about what you teach because, you know, in the work that I do, situational awareness is huge. Like that's, that's where we start. And there's a lot of talk about what it is out in the world that I think is not necessarily very insightful. So I wanted to bring you on to talk about that. So before we dive into that, I want to give you a few little warm-up questions and learn a little bit more (laughs) about you as a person. So are you ready for that? Let's go. All right. Okay. What historical person would you most like to have dinner with? Oh, that's such a good question. Well, I think if I could go back in time or pull someone from the past about a conversation, I would love to have dinner with George Washington. <laughs> I would like to sit down and say, okay, when you were forming the United States, when you were establishing the structure, how did you come up with how you wanted to do that? What were, where did some of your ideas come from? Because how could you create something that still stands now. And I'm not saying it's perfect. Our government structure is perfect and everything is 
fair and right. But when you think about how long it's lasted and what they were dealing with, what they thought was, you know, the biggest concerns of their time are different than now. So to be able to have that conversation with him, I think would be so fascinating. Yeah, that would be a really cool discussion, like great dinnertime conversation. Not from the what were you thinking perspective, but hey, really, like what were you thinking about? And, you know, if you could look at things nowadays, do you think you made the right call? Do you think you anticipated what has actually unfolded and that everything that you did was relevant? Or do you think things could have been a little bit tweaked or changed? That'd be fascinating. Right. Yeah, cool. Yeah, like if if I could tell him, this is where we are now, would you change anything? Yeah. You know, if you want to see the future, so. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Okay, got another question for you. What is your favorite, like all-time favorite movie? I would have to say, oh my goodness. Have you seen The Contender? I have not. Have you heard of The Contender? I don't even know when it was from, um, but I just remember, and I don't even remember all the actors in it because I'm very much of how a movie makes me feel. And I remember sitting on the edge of the couch and wanting the character to say what was on her mind, the truth. She's basically, I think she's being appointed to a government role and she knows things about the committee members that are challenging her, but she won't use them against them. And it was a fascinating movie because so often we want to say kind of like if we're in a battle with someone, we want to hurl something hurtful back or we want to kind of go tit for tat. And in this movie, it shows her really, well, these are my guidelines. These are my morals. These are my ethics. And I'm standing by them, even though it would be easier to go against him. And instead, she kind of takes the high road. And I just remember watching that movie and and being so fired up. And, you know, you don't see a lot of movies nowadays that are like that. No, it sounds like it had quite an impact. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, I also love Pretty Woman. (laughs) (laughs) I love any football movie. Um, So The Program was another one of my favorite football movies. So. I think anything that I connect with or resonates or touches something that makes me think or question my own beliefs. I like those kind of movies. Oh, that's great. All right. What was your most memorable experience with an animal? Oh, um, well, I would have to say with my previous dog, Diab, he was a pit bull mix that I adopted when I in Southern California. I knew I was moving, but making the move back to Minnesota so I could finally adopt a dog. And I took Diablo for a walk. You know, you kind of always take the dog for a walk to see how they are, their temperament, that sort of thing. And I sat down on a curb to tie my shoe, like a shoe, and he crawled into my lap. Like he wouldn't he was like, oh, they're sitting down here. I want to be a lap dog. Oh. And he was instantly like kind of the saying goes, he picked me. He saved me. I didn't save him. And then 
I had him through, you know, a very tough time in my life, went through a divorce and it was just me and the dog and, you know, all the, well, I got, you know, 20 bucks to make it for the month, but the dog's going to get his dog food and I'll eat, you know, ramen noodles or whatever. So one of those kind of bonding, he was my little buddy and he was with me 12 years, 13 years. So probably I would say that ranks right up there. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, what a great, what a great story. That's why I love these questions. <laughs> I just love them. All right. One more question. And then we're going to dive into the self-defense part. What's your favorite self-care practice? Uh, me time, getting away, just me by myself, which as much of an extrovert as I am, I do get my energy from being around people. I love meeting new people. I know that if I'm tired, all I need to do is go somewhere and be around people and then I'll get energized, which, you know, doesn't work for everyone. But at the end of the day or in the first part of my day, I need to have just me time. And that could be five minutes of sitting and drinking my coffee where no one's asking me for anything. Um, or it could be the end of the night, sitting out on the deck with a glass of wine, listening to nature, so to speak, and just thinking about my day. But again, nobody trying to talk to me or do anything. So it's I do need those few minutes of recharge by myself, thinking my thoughts. Mm. Oh, yeah, I love that. That's one of the things that I have discovered living up here in Coyoteville is you know, now I have a lot of alone time. And after, <laughs> you know, after 30 years in Silicon Valley and gosh, 20, 28 plus years as a mom, it's such an extraordinary mm -hmm. thing to have that. And I, I think I didn't know going through all of that, that I actually needed to carve out that me time. And, and, you know, in hindsight, it's like, damn, why didn't I at least, <laughs> you know, try to get, I could probably have managed five minutes that was not just me locking myself in the bathroom. Right. <laughs> well, and you mentioned with your kids, I think sometimes my husband and I joke about it because it doesn't matter if he's my husband standing right there, if he's sitting right next to me, if he is right next to the kids and I'm on a completely different area of the house, if they need anything, it's mom. Right. Mom, mom. Or we're driving down the road and it's mom. What about this? Mom, look at this. Mom. Yeah. Being able to just carve out just a little bit of time, you know, in, in silence and in peace is wonderfully recharging. So that's great. I'm glad that you do that. Let's uh, dive into some, some questions about self-defense. So you actually don't have a background okay. in self-defense. So how did you end up founding a business that <laughs> is in the self-defense realm? Yes, I get that question a lot or that people learning that about me, it surprises them. Um, to me, self-defense used to mean the physical, the physical part of defending yourself, being in a physical altercation. And I guess to me growing up, my brother was the next closest in age. So he was only three years younger than me. And we were very much wrestlers, it, you know, we would fight him and I were very physically, you know, my mom would always try and separate us 
And when my sister wanted to play with us, we'd always say no. And inevitably when we'd let her play, she'd get hurt and get in trouble. So I grew up very physical and comfortable with that kind of fighter mentality. And I went through boot camp for the army at, in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And there again, it's, it's very physical. It's, it's fighting. It's, it's that type of, I guess, for lack of a better, just the violence or being able to consider violence. So I didn't, I kind of always knew like I'd be a scrapper. If anybody ever attacked me, I might not have the perfect move, but I would, I would fight. Like I would definitely put up a fight. And so I didn't think about taking formal fighting training until later on in life when I realized, huh, you know, I think I'd be pretty good, but it probably wouldn't hurt to take a couple classes. And I took a class and I remember it was a four hour class and we went through all these moves. It was focused for women. So we were partnered up with another woman. We went through blocking, went through hitting. And at the end of the four hours, it was that whole, the last thing you want to do is be in a physical altercation. You need to be situationally aware and know what's going on. And they're like, bye. Okay. See you later. And I was like, wait, we just spent four hours studying the one thing I'm supposed to try really hard not to do. And the thing that I'm supposed to put in practice 95% of the time, we didn't talk about it at all. Oh, and so then, I, okay, where do, where do I find this information? You know, like to me, I was always kind of a spy movie nerd, Jason Bourne, James Bond, like how they could see things before they happened. And I thought they were, that was such a cool talent, I guess, to have, to be able to do that. So I was always fascinated and watched people. I was always very observant. And then when I went to go find information on situational awareness, I couldn't find anything geared towards civilians, let alone women, or it was very, very minimal. You know, I found Gavin DeBecker's book, Gift of Fear. I could find lots for law enforcement, lots of information out there for the military, you know, The Left of Bang by Patrick Van Horn. But again, it was all geared towards men or that male mentality or that war, you know, or what law enforcement faces every day. And I'm married to a law enforcement officer who's also retired military. So I get it. I understand the lingo. I understand the acronyms. I understand the thoughts process from my own experience as well. And I was far enough removed from that world, the military world, and that I was like, yeah, but okay, what about the woman who's walking down the street with her two kids who are saying, mom, mom, look at this, mom, mom, and they're a distraction. How can she stay aware of her surroundings while keeping track of her kids? Like so often we just naturally kind of fall into these, well, the guy is the protector, the man is the protector, or my spouse is the protector, my partner. And I'm the caretaker. So it was, I'll, I'll just grab the kids and run. And I'm like, well, what about when you go grocery shopping by yourself, <laughs> you know, and you're trying to herd cats, so to speak, by keeping your kids around. I have two little boys, so they just don't stop moving. They're very energetic. And they're very inquisitive, ask lots of questions. And so I started asking people and reaching out to them like, okay, well, is there training? Are there seminars? Are there conferences? What other books should I be reading? And they 
yeah, that's great. But the really, I don't really know of anything. I don't know of any books. I don't know of any conferences. You could go to this conference, but it's really geared towards the law enforcement community, you know? And so I was like, well, if I can't find it and I'm that close to law enforcement in the military community, how is the average Jane supposed to find it? How is she supposed to, where is she supposed to go? That's not going to make her feel stupid for asking her questions or intimidate her. And so I kind of just started putting out little tidbits on social media. And, and that's when women started saying, oh, can you do classes? And then we had some incidents around our area. Um, we had a stabbing at our mall. A guy took steak knives from our mall, ran around stabbing people, and then was shot by an armed off-duty officer. Um, shot and killed. And my husband had to respond to that incident. So I knew a lot more of the information behind it. I was able to kind of almost debrief some of the officers and ask questions about how the civilians, how the everyday person responded. And they were like, they were going towards the sound of the gunfire or they had their phones up and they were recording. You know, instead of safety, it was almost like flies to the light, (laughs) you know, like, oh, what? What's the bright, shiny thing? No, you heard gunshots. We don't know who's what. You need to get away and get safe. And I would say, okay, well, who's telling, who's telling those people that's what they should be doing? Who's teaching those people? You know, how can, how do they know what to do? And I was getting questions saying, you know, is it safe to go to the mall? That's where I dropped my kids off. And, and that just kind of has snowballed into this is now I have, and, and really it's, it's a lot of my community that comes and says, Oh, well, would you do this? Because if you do this, I, I would do it. If you would put together a permit to carry class, I'd come do it because you're not, you're, you look like me. You don't intimidate me. You know, you kind of make it seem like anybody can try this. Anybody could do this. You don't have to have a certain background or look a certain way or act a certain way. If you're curious, you know, yeah, come, come with me. I'll show you or I'll teach you. And so that's kind of where I found that niche. And it's, it's funny because I've had people say, well, would you go and get self-defense training so you could be an instructor? And I really kind of push back on that because I'm like, well, which, which uh, practice would I follow? How can I pick? I think there's a lot of good ones. And so I don't want to say, well, I'm just going to be this instructor and I'm going to follow this practice. I'd rather say, I talk about the situational awareness and then here are your different options if you want to go talk about self-defense and the physical aspect. Find what's comfortable for you. Yeah. But anyone learn to be more situationally aware. I, I just love that because I think that your equation of the term self-defense with the physical realm only is probably what 95% of people also think. And, you know, that's, that's something that was an eye opener for me because I came from the martial arts background. So I was very happy with that. And, you know, my aha was that martial arts and self-defense aren't the same thing. But then once I got into, (laughs) you know, studying with people like Tony Blower and Rory Miller and Tim Larkin, it was like, whoa, you know, yes, there's the physical element and it's not 
the dominant part. It's an essential part, but it's everything that comes before the physical thing happens that makes a self-defense program a true self-defense program. You know, it is the how do you detect and avoid danger and how do you de-escalate a situation or change the dynamics of a situation so it doesn't go violent. And how do you protect yourself physically if you have to is kind of the last part. It's like, well, if all else fails and you can't avoid violence or you get ambushed, then how do you protect yourself physically? So I think, you know, what you're talking about is it's huge because it it really is busting that myth Mm -hmm. that self-defense is all physical. So I'm really curious what falls under the umbrella of situational awareness for you? Like what, what do you consider situational awareness? Because like the, the person on the street, you know, the, the knee jerk response, if you ask somebody like what is situational awareness is, well, just knowing what's going on around you. And I'm pretty sure that you see things a little bit more deeply than that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So in my presentations, and and you're absolutely correct, I love that you bring up that there are other people out there, and especially you, Cynthia, I love learning from you, because it's refreshing to hear women say, yes, there's such a thing as situational awareness, and we need to be aware of it, but if you're ambushed or something happens, you also need to be able to react appropriately, and with the violence necessary to keep yourself safe. Um, and there are a couple people, like you mentioned, Roy Miller and Tim Larkin and, and Tony Blower. And what I always say is that's great. But again, those are men and as much and as awesome as they are and as enlightened as they are, it's still different from a women's perspective. There's just things that women think about, (laughs) you know, like I always, when I'm presenting, I talk about awareness. Okay. I have to think about what time of day it is. Am I running by myself? Do I have my, you know, treks, my aftershocks, bone conducting headphones? Or if they're not charged, then I'm running without them because I got to have my hearing. You know, am I taking my dog with? Is it a public route? Does who knows where I'm running? How long am I going to be gone? You know, all these things that I need to think about if I want to go for a run outside. My husband, he has to decide if he wants to go for a run or not. Yes, he is going to, you know, there's things he'll think about, but it's just not the same. And so for me, when I do my presentations, I come from that place of, okay, women's intuition. We have amazing intuition and just by nature, traditionally, we're, we're raised to be those nurturers, those caregivers. Well, when we're taking care of young children who can't, speak or explain their feelings or why they're having the emotions they're having. We have to read their body language. We have to read their nonverbals to try and help them. You know, it's like, and each child is different. You know, if you go and visit somebody who has a young kid and that young kid says something, how much the parents inevitably are like, Oh, little Johnny wants a cracker. And you're like, all I heard was, (laughs) you know, it makes absolutely no sense to us, but they, can read the nonverbal. So women tend to have excellent skills and those messengers of intuition where we know when something's not right with a friend, we know when something's not right with our kids and it just bugs us that we'll dig and we'll try and figure it out. But when it comes to our personal safety, we'll discount it. 
we'll be like, oh, I must be overreacting. Oh, I must be looking too far into that because we want to be nice. We don't want to be judgmental. I mean, that's really how we're raised is to be kind and caring, which we should. I'm not saying we shouldn't, but that actually becomes a detriment. You know, I remember having a conversation in career-wise for women that, you know, I've not fully explored this, but I remember her saying, why are women so scared to step up in their careers on their own when they're by themselves and say, I can do this, I can lead. And I'm like, well, if you think about it from the time little girls are raised or old enough, don't go anywhere by yourself. Always go in pairs, always go in a group. Don't do this, don't do that. So we're always kept safe, stay in the group, stay with, you know what I'm saying? So that it it actually affects us later in life. So I go big into that messengers of intuition and reminding women that your intuition is responding to something and it has your best interest in mind. So it doesn't matter if you offend a stranger, are you ever going to see that person again? Your personal safety is more important than being worried about possibly offending someone. And almost that permission, giving him permission to say, you are important. You have value. Your safety has value. So put that above everything else. Because again, women, we tend to put our family, our kids, our friends, our, you know, we're talking about to find five minutes for ourselves in a day is hard. That's a struggle for us to say, I deserve that. So it can, in our personal safety, If there's someone who's kind of trying to force team with us, like, oh, he's just trying to be nice, fine. Even though we're annoyed and we don't want him to help us, we just go with it because we're like, fine. And that's something I try and point out. Like, that's if you don't want help and they're forcing it, that's what you need. That behavior is what you need to pay attention to. So, kind of. Bringing that to light, like I've had a lot of people say, oh my gosh, what you talk about, it's so common sense, but I've never thought about it that way. And then I also go into your senses. You know, have you ever seen the gorilla sight test, Cynthia? No, I don't think I have. Oh, you got to I play it in every presentation and it's not only makes people laugh. So it's kind of an icebreaker in the middle of a kind of a heavier subject. Um, it's on YouTube but I play it and I show it and it basically it shows how much our eyes, if we're focused on something, we can completely miss something obvious because we're so focused. We've like, okay, it's, we've got to watch for this. We've got to watch for this and something can walk right in front of us and we don't see it. We're just so focused. And so I say, so that's why you can't rely on just your eyes for, Oh, I just got to know what's around me. Well, what about your hearing? Your hearing you actually hear things faster than you see them. You can hear in the dark. You can hear around corners. You can hear through walls sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. It's very important. Just like, again, I say, think about when you're in a, let's say you go to a networking event and you're, so there's lots of conversation, lots of people talking. You're having conversation with someone. All of a sudden, someone across the room says your name and you're like, what? All of a sudden, it's like it's like we can focus our hearing on that other conversation. And so I talk about how our hearing is really, really advanced, but we just don't rely on it. We kind of get lax and we think about our eyes and about our sense of smell. If you're walking down the street at night and you smell cigarettes, 
it tells you someone, even if you can't see him or hear him. You know, we walk into a house, we smell gas. We all know what we're supposed to do. Get out, don't hit the light switch, call a gas company, call 911. And you can't see it or hear it. So it's, it's kind of reminding them like, hey, all of your senses are really important. I talk about with, with touch. I always say, this is a little bit harder to think about, but I need you to do this. If you are grabbed from behind at night, you can feel what type of clothing they're wearing. Is it a flannel? Is it a t-shirt? Is it a shiny, a fat, you know, a slippery fabric? If they have facial hair, if they have hair, if they have hair, what style of hair? You know, your sense of touch can tell you a lot. If you're blindfolded, you know, and let's say you're grabbed thrown into a trunk, like your sense of touch can be so important. So it's really important to take all of that sensory input in to inform you of what's going on, who's around me, how to start making a plan. And then I go into kind of those methods that might be used by individuals trying to test their boundaries, that forced teaming where they're even though you said, no, thanks, I don't need any help. No, no, you look like you're, you know, that's really heavy. Let me carry that to your car for you. No, 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 thank you. I don't know you. You know, I don't want you going to my car with me. That's weird. Um, asking for help. We actually had an incident that was shared on social media, and I had a lot of friends tagging me in posts. Um, but a woman came out of a gas station, and a guy was by his trunk with the lid open, and he was like, hey, come here, come here, come here. And she instantly felt something's wrong, something's off. And he was like, hey, can you help me? And she stopped and she's like, uh, what, do you, what do you need? And he's like, I can't get this fuse in the fuse box. Can you come over and stick it in? My hands are too big. And she was like, nope, sorry, I can't help you. I'm not good with cars. She just kind of made up an excuse. And then he goes, oh, look, I got it. Like all of a sudden he was able to get the fuse in. And then he's standing there, still his trunk open, like, hey, oh, you know, did you grow up here? Basically trying to get personal information. And she was like, kind of looked at him and just got in her car and drove away. But it freaked her out because she realized the next morning, like, he was trying to lure me over by him. And his trunk was open. And all the what ifs, the worry kicked in. Like, what if he would have thrown me in the trunk? Why was he asking me those personal questions? Was it because he wanted to know how people noticed that I was gone, that maybe the cashier in the gas station would recognize me. And so she freaked out about that and posted on Facebook, like, Hey, this happened to me last night. I just want to make you aware. And I followed up with that local police department and talked to the chief who had talked with the woman. And she's like, unfortunately, she didn't call the police until the next day. And we went back to that gas station and they only had internal cameras. And, but the, attendant did say there was someone outside that never came in the store and matched the description that the woman gave. So, but again, I even reading through the comments on that woman's page, if somebody's like, were you, were, were you just overreacting? You know, it's a fair question. If you want to ask it, it's truly a fair question. But here's the thing is when you say that to a woman who's had something like that happen and is freaked out, then that voice in her head says, oh, maybe I was. And then the next time she gets a fear signal, she's going to discount it. She's like, oh, I must be overreacting again. doesn't matter. And it, nothing happened, but something could have happened that matters that she's safe. Yeah. So it's, it's really important. 
reinforce that to women. It's like, yeah, maybe nothing happened, but something could have happened. And you got a fear signal. You need to pay attention to that. Yeah, that's that's really cool because one of the things that I always share when I work with women is that there's no downside to taking action when you get that nudge, when you get that bad feeling about a situation and you do something to keep yourself safe. There's no downside to that. Sure, you may offend somebody or, you know, they may call you hysterical or, you know, overreacting or whatever, but there's not really a downside to that. But there can be a really bad downside if you got that bad feeling about a person or about a situation and you persuade yourself that it's not real and that you don't need to do anything. And so, I mean, that woman in your example, rock on girl, you did exactly the right thing. You know, you chose (laughs) to keep yourself safe, right? And, and you made it home. And if you had dismissed that and said, oh, you know, it's broad daylight. I'm at a gas station where there's other people around. He couldn't possibly want to abduct little old me. I mean, she could have ended up murdered, tortured, raped, Mm-hmm. And and she didn't. So she did right. exactly the right thing. And and that's that's why I always tell women there's no downside to listening to that that bad feeling, that right. nudge when you get it. It's there for a reason. Right. And I think you at trying to explain heuristics, your your subconscious is constantly working, taking in information that you're not consciously realizing. And so trusting your gut is so important. Because later, after a, well, nothing happened, but I got this feeling. And then later, when you go back and maybe reevaluate or replay the situation, all of a sudden, little things that you didn't consciously think about first, you're like, oh, yeah, that doesn't make sense. And that wouldn't make sense. And how would he have been able to do that, you know, get to my car so fast if he hadn't been following me? So there's a lot of little things that later, then you reevaluate and go, Oh, but in that moment, consciously, your, you know, your survival instincts are like, we don't have time to talk. You just need to run. Yeah. Yeah. It's like your reptilian brain's going, Hey man, I'm doing my job now. You do yours. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And, and calling that out, you know, it's like breaking that down because I think the first time I heard reptilian brain was you talking. I was like, what? that's a great way to kind of, you know, explain it and explain the difference and, and talk about how, you know, your fine motor skills shut down. Even your gross motor skills can shut down. You go into that, that mode. Oh, you know, and, and why it's so important to role play what you would do because, all, you know, none of us expects to be a victim when we wake up in the morning. The most common complaint that I hear from women when I talk to them about personal safety is that they often feel unsafe and they really resent the need to be constantly vigilant. They don't know how to deal with uncomfortable situations and they believe that they are too small or too weak to defend themselves physically if they have to. What they're really after is the freedom to walk around and to feel safe and to have more confidence in their ability to get away if something happens. That is why I created the Born to be a Badass Prep School, the self-protection course that teaches you everything that you should have been taught about how to be safe in the world when you were growing up, but probably weren't. 
The Prep School is an online program where you will change your mindset and learn how to make the most of your innate abilities to protect yourself. You'll learn what to look for and how to recognize potential dangers, what to do in bad situations, and how to manage fear. You'll discover how to tap into your body's natural protective skills if you have to fight, and how to deal with the aftermath of an incident. Not only is this a virtual program that you can do from anywhere at any time, you get lifetime access to the content, access to my private support group, and a gift certificate to use towards one of my live hands-on training events that builds upon the prep school curriculum. So if you're ready to take your personal safety into your own hands and to develop self-confidence and be able to go where you want to go and do what you want to do with a sense of freedom, get yourself over to my website, cynthiajolocar.com slash prep school to learn more and to register for an upcoming session. As a listener to the Born to Be a Badass podcast, you will save more than 60% on your enrollment by entering the code podcast when you register. So do you do role-playing things in your courses? I haven't. That's one thing that I've kind of, I want to do more of. Um, very from our friend Beverly, who does her anthropology or asphalt anthropology. I just love what she is put out there for role-playing scenarios that aren't physical, you know, not hitting a pad. It's okay. What do you do when that annoying drunk sits down next to you and you get up and walk away and he falls? And what do you do? Because I think we all in our heads can say, well, I would tell him to get lost or I would tell him to do this. And then when it comes time and it actually happens, we're like, (laughs) all of that goes out the window and we're just like, ah, freeze. Ew, what do I do? So actually making them role play, I think is so valuable. Yeah, that's one of the things in the scenario training um, that I do in my courses. You know, everybody thinks that it's always going to be all physical, but sometimes I will tell the role players who are the bad guys, you know, in this one, if she does a really good job de-escalating, you can allow yourself to be defused, you know, de-escalated. And, right. and not go for her. And so they they can choose in the interaction that they have in the scenario whether or not they actually go after her. And uh, that's always really fun because, I mean, we've had some really, really funny ones working with some of the teenage girls. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we did one where they were, it was a scenario for, it was teen girls who were heading off to college and and we did one where they were coming out of like the library late at night and going back to their dorm room crossing parking lot and the scenario had a bad guy who was lying in wait for them and was going to try to abduct them and the first young woman who came out he emerged from behind this big truck and she just bolted and you know we're like yeah perfect And then another one came out (laughs) and she saw him and she spun around and she faced him and she talked to him and she was like, oh, hey, hey, uh, you know, what do you want? And he was like, well, I want you. And she's like, oh, you need money? And she swung the purse forward and kind of swung it to him. And she's like, great, great. You can have whatever you want. I got to go now. And and she turned and and she she just bolted. And he was kind of standing there going, um, um, 
because he wasn't <laughs> expecting her to engage with him at all. You know, he was expecting he was going to be able to right. grab her. And there she's talking to him and she's like, hey, you know, what do you want? And you need some money. And <laughs> she tosses the purse and bolts. And, and he <laughs> he was literally just standing there going, I, I, I don't know what to do now. And it was perfect because <laughs> he... Right. You know, he could have continued to go after her, but he was like, well, no, I mean, I wouldn't. You know, she did what she needed to do. She distracted me. She gave me something to manage that I wasn't expecting to have to deal with because he just reflexively caught the purse right. when it came towards him, you know, and so that, that compromised his hands. And it was it was so cool because she, I think if she hadn't said anything to him, he wouldn't have had his own sort of oh shit moment because he wasn't expecting to talk. So I love doing things like that, you know, where, where you get the chance, you know, we, we do sometimes something where you're in a parking lot and you know, you're backing out and you accidentally back into somebody and they, they get out angry. And, you know, that's a, that's a situation where the role player can allow the person to talk through it or they can just be, so pissed off they're not going to listen to a word and it's just remarkable <laughs> to see the change and the growth that happens when you do actually have the opportunity to be in a scenario like that where you can try different ways to deal with it and all the things I'm sure if you've read Gavin De Becker you you remember all the things about ways to communicate and things like offering a tactical apology teaching something like that where you can defuse and de-escalate and and actually have it work is really empowering. Right. It gives you so many more tools. So I, I want to ask you, what are some of the most important must-know concepts or strategies and tools that you think that women need to have in order to be safe? Hmm. I, you know, I, I keep going back to that trusting your gut, learning how to listen to your intuition like I said, we listen to our intuition when it comes to our family, when it comes to our careers, or we, we really do a lot of self-reflection, all of that awareness, personal growth that we try and do and, and really digging deep. What do I want? And I think with our intuition is getting in, in touch with that in regards to our safety and taking responsibility for our personal safety and making it just as important as the other things that we do to make ourselves better, to, to have growth. I think taking personal responsibility for saying, I'm going to learn how to be more situationally aware, not just looking up and around every once in a while. It's what am I looking for? The behaviors, you know, it's not stranger danger. It's the behaviors of strangers in today's day and age. You can't, I mean, there's, I hope that you go out and meet, here's my extrovert coming out me. I hope you go out and meet lots of new people, make lots of new friends, you explore the world, that you get to learn from people that grew up differently than you, that have a different opinion. I hope you get to meet all of those people. That's awesome. I've gotten to do some really amazing things in my life because I've met some really cool people. So if you can establish your own ability to read behaviors and to listen when your intuition says, hmm, something's not right about that and just follow it. You know, trust your gut. I think that is so important 
And then kind of to what you were saying about the scenarios. And I love that you gave the two examples of the women in the parking lot. One just ran (laughs) and the other one engaged and threw her purse. Like here, have it, (laughs) you know, it's whatever works for you, whatever fits your personality. And that's why I think actually going through a scenario is so important because I could tell you, you need to yell, scream, you need to do this, you need to run, you need to, but if that's not who you are, if you're a naturally shy, quiet person, it can feel really weird to say, no, you should confront them, look them in the eye and tell them no and and speak loud. Really, your best bet is to run right away, the instant, you know? Whatever feels natural, but try it out because maybe, maybe that shy introverted person is just waiting for the right person to yell at. I don't know. You know, maybe that inner, you know, the, what do they say? Like mama bear, you know, I'm all sweet and kind until you mess with my kids and then watch out. So the trying it just like with self-defense tools, whatever is, you know, people, it's not necessarily everyone should carry a handgun. Everyone should carry a knife. Everyone should carry mace or a tactical flashlight or a screech or alarm or whatever. It's what do you feel most comfortable with? Because if you feel confident that you have the tools and the knowledge, you're going to carry yourself different. And therefore the first impression you give a potential attacker is I don't know what she carries. I don't know what she knows, but she just does not look like someone I should mess with. Yeah, that's really important. And I think the other thing that you touched on was that a responsible person teaching self-defense is not going to be prescriptive and say, you should X, because it all depends on you. It all depends on the scenario. And we're not wizards. Like we can't predict what you're going to encounter. But what we are doing as responsible people is we're giving you options. We're making you aware of options that you maybe didn't even know that you had and giving you the opportunity to discover within yourself, like, oh yeah, I could do that. Oh yeah, I could do that. Like it's not super comfortable, but I could do that. So I love that that's what you're talking about is exploring what your options are and being open to them and also giving yourself permission to use them. You know, it's it's no good to have all the knowledge, but not allow yourself to actually use it. One of the things that Tony Blauer talks about a lot is what he calls the be your own bodyguard principle. And it, it really comes down to that most women are more willing and able to take action on behalf of somebody else than they are for themselves. And you can ask them, like, suppose somebody had hands on your child and was dragging your child away and they'll be like, hell no, you know, I'll kick his ass. I would, you know, yeah. You know, but if you ask them the same thing, like if somebody grabbed hold of you and was trying to drag you away, would you defend yourself? And they'd be like, well, I don't know. I think I would maybe, but I don't think I could. And so being able to tap into that and give yourself permission to protect yourself to the same degree that you would protect your child or your pet or your elderly parent or someone you care about. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just somebody, you know, who is not able to protect themselves. Right. Somebody who is perhaps physically limited or has mental impairment, who's really not even aware of what's going on. We wouldn't just walk by and say, 
ah, they'll be fine. We'll be full of that <laughs> indignation and say, hell no, I'm taking action. So. Right. I'm sticking up for those, you know, that I'm going to stick up against that bully in the playground. Yeah. You know, and, and one thing, this is, and I guess I would love to get your opinion on it. And I would love to put it out to your listeners just to get some of those wheels turning in your head. But even I have just kind of come across Tony Blower since being in this, this group and getting to know you ladies. And then he was on the mic drop podcast and listened to that and had the opportunity to connect with him briefly over the phone. And it is that whole, you're right. You're right on everything. The psychology behind it intrigues me so much in our, our knee jerk reactions and our, you know, what we just do is spear system. Um, but again, even be your own bodyguard. To me, I think of a man. Yeah. You know? And so it's, there's so much out there verbiage wise that I think that's what it gets missed for women. And I'm not saying it's wrong or right. I'm just saying that I thought of that right away. I was like, oh, be your own bodyguard. I think of bodyguards. I think of big bouncers at, at clubs. Right. So what can we say to women that relates to their personal safety? Be your own Wonder Woman, <laughs> you know, be would that be? I always joke. I'm like, I am not Wonder Woman, but I am her aunt in the movie. Like that's who I want to be. That's so funny that you bring (laughs) it up because, you know, I, I started with coach Blower and Blower tactical systems teaching the spear system only. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I ran into that exact thing, which was that the, the language and the verbiage and the imagery not only didn't resonate with women, but it was actually repellent. And so I just said, you know, I got to, I have to change what I do because I am not teaching everybody anymore. I'm teaching just women. And what I came up with for my workshops back in the day was we would do the unleash your inner Amazon. And that was something that women (gasps) just loved was the same idea, but it was right. Unleash your inner Amazon. And then that's also kind of moved on and grew from that. And that's where the born to be a badass concept came from. It's like, you know, you're badass. <laughs> <laughs> you were born to yeah. be a badass. Yes. And I think your, your podcast interview that you did earlier this year, you talked about growing your confidence in one area naturally spills over. Or that was a topic on that podcast where, yeah. oh, I, I gained a little confidence. I, I do know how to fight back. Oh, I learned that I can hit harder than I thought I could. And then all of a sudden we're like, well, yeah, I can do this now because look what I accomplished. And so it gives you the momentum to continue on that, that personal safety journey. And that's the thing I think for women, it, you know, I, <laughs> you've probably heard this too, is with like, oh, you'd need to gouge eyeballs and crush marnixes and, and break arms and do this. And we're like, ew, thumbs in the eyeballs. Like, yeah, I'll do that if necessary. But if I can avoid that, that would be great. Um, So I think it's so important to meet women where they're at. Like some women, it's just getting them to not look down when they're walking down the street. Like you don't have to, let's not, okay, if you're very uncomfortable by looking someone in the eyes, let's just practice looking at their teeth. You know, just to get your head up, or I want you to look and see what kind of hair everybody has, or just get your head up. 
And so that can make all the difference in the world. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I can do this. Okay, what's next? What's next in my personal safety that I can do, that I could start practicing every day? Yeah. Yeah. And you know what is also really cool and, and what I love about what you're doing is that as you learn to be more situationally aware externally, you also learn how to be more situationally aware internally, like, you know, what's going on with me? How am I feeling? Am I a little distracted? Which also affects your ability to respond to things. And then the awareness translates out into other parts of life. It's not just about, okay, well, I'm going to go grocery shopping or I'm going to go to the mall. So I have to turn my antenna on extra. But when you have this ability to pay attention to what's going on in and around you, then you start to notice things, you know, like at work, like that was a strange interaction I had with that person. I don't think he's being honest with me. And yet he wants me to do business with him or, you know, I've, Mm -hmm. I've been doing, you know, I've been in this partnership with this other company for six months and something just feels weird about it. And that is something where you have developed the skills to say, if I'm feeling a little weird about it, there's probably a reason why, and it may not make rational sense. Like it may seem really illogical and sometimes even downright silly or stupid, but if I feel a little off, I'm going to figure it out. You know, whether it's in right. a direct physical safety situation or a work situation or a friendship or, you know, mm-hmm. how even just like getting on a plane there have been some people who avoided being in plane crashes because for some reason they just decided not to get on the plane. And that sounds really woo-woo, mm-hmm. spooky, strange stuff, but <laughs> <laughs> it's like, damn, you know, when you learn to listen to that bad feeling, then you can listen to it in any situation that you're in. I think that's so key especially for women, is we get so much intuition and we read the nonverbal so well in our lives. And the better we can get at listening when something's not right, this feels forced. I'm forcing myself to volunteer for this committee because I feel obligated, but I hate it and I dread it. And every time, you know, the meeting comes up, I don't want to go when I find every excuse to not go. That's when you need to listen and say, hey, this is not something I really want to do. I am getting physically stressed, physical reaction to having to go to this meeting. And so the more you can listen, the better mentally you're going to be and the more clarity you're going to have and the less stress. And it can apply in so many different areas of our lives. And it's been fun. And also at the same time, I have to be so careful not to go down squirrel, rabbit, holes or whatever you want to say, have those four moments of like, ooh, shiny thing. This is really fascinating, the psychology behind this. And, you know, ooh, what about this? And and because it can go into so many areas in your life. And that's, I guess, one thing that surprises me too, is that this feels like a new conversation from a, from coming from women. Like I'm so grateful that, you know, I have connected with you 
women because I feel like, okay, I, there's a group of women who understand what I'm trying to, what I think in my head and can help me get it out. Like when you said, unleash your inner Amazon. Oh yes, that resonates. That makes sense to me. But if I would say it to my husband, you'd be like, eh, eh, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know? want to be an Amazon. <laughs> He's like, I get it, but I don't get it. What? I don't, you know, and my husband jokes. He's like, of all the things that you could be passionate about, at least I understand this. <laughs> He's like, I get situational awareness. And so we get to have really cool conversations. And unfortunately, he gets to tell me very sad, very tragic situations where women were attacked. And, you know, he's the first responder. He's the first officer on scene, you know, and, you know, oh, I thought looked nice. I didn't think he didn't look like a bad guy or this. And it's like, oh, we need to start paying attention to our intuition. So why are you so passionate about situational awareness? I mean, it, it seems as though it really has grabbed hold of you. And, and I love that it has <laughs> and that you are. But was there anything in particular that really sparked it other than that little sort of parting shot from the self-defense class that you went to that kind of landed really <laughs> hard? Or right. It was my aha moment of like, what? Um, you know, it's funny because in my mind, I'm like, you know, I've never had nothing tragic has ever happened to me. And then you kind of reevaluate like, well, there was that instance where, you know, that boss put his hand on my neck and started rubbing it while we were sitting at a bar in a, you know, networking event. And I was like, that's awkward. You know, I think that there's times in my life that I've had things where I froze and I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to use my voice. I didn't know how to say my boundaries. And so I get passionate about, well, I don't want to be in a situation. I want to be as preventative as possible. Um, and then I think when I see other women and I get very protective, I get very, you know, it's just always kind of been in my nature with my friends or those I care about. I'm always like, you know, you don't mess with my family. Like you can, you can, you and I can go spar or we can get in an argument. We can disagree. But if you do anything to hurt my friends or family, I will not take that lightly. And so I've, I've got that protector nature. I'm a fighter in the sense of like, I want to stand up for those who maybe can't, you know, whether it's physically can't, mentally can't. Um, I remember there was this woman who, you know, her last name, you know, when we were in boot camp, it was Kennedy. And I remember she was just not cut out for the military. And I remember we were running through, it was a, the confidence course. So it was outdoors through the woods. And I'm running alongside her, like, come on, Kennedy, come on, you can do it. And, you know, trying to, and, you know, drill sergeants yelling, like, do not touch her. Don't touch her. She has to do this on her own. But it was like, I was going to do everything to protect her, to make sure she was okay. And so I think a lot of that just, I just have lots of stories in my, in my past where that was who I am. And now if I say, oh, I have this knowledge that to me is common sense, or to me is just what I naturally do because I've honed those skills over the years. Well, it would be a disservice not to share it and help others. Women are the ones getting attacked. And 
I felt like there's not a lot of people out there talking specifically to them. So, <laughs> you know, I had a friend who uh, we, a little group and her name's Sarah. And it was so funny. I remember one time when I was first like, do I do this? Do I make, is this a company? Can this be a business? And I remember kind of hemming and hawing and she just point blank was like, well, aren't you worried that people will die if you don't do this? And it was, I mean, that's very dramatic, but it was kind of one of those like, oh yeah, it is that serious. Yeah. If we help women and start with where they're at and help them feel like confident and feel comfortable that they could take care of themselves, it could save their life. We might never hear about it. It might be one of those things where, you know, that feels odd. And so I'm going to go over here. Like the example I use with the woman at the gas station. Like I didn't know her beforehand, but that situation where, well, nothing happened. But if something had happened, we wouldn't have known it either. Where I get validation is when people say, I just saw this guy and knew he was acting weird. Or I look at my surroundings now more. I make more observations since hearing you talk. And that's where I'm like, okay, that's awesome. I hope not. I hope you never have a story to tell me in all honesty. Yeah. I hope you never have a tragedy to share with me. I hope you always are like, yeah, take your class. I look around more, but nothing's happened to me because they're probably not giving themselves enough credit for the, what they're doing. So I love it. And I'll tell you, you know, when I was doing a whole bunch of niche interviews with ideal clients, just trying to really get clear on what it was I wanted to offer over and over and over again. The message that I heard from women was, I don't really want to have to learn how to fight. I want to learn how to not have to fight. I want to learn how to not be there, <laughs> like how to, how to deal with situations, how to get out of situations and avoid being in that place of having to go physical right, right on. And it all starts with this awareness piece. And I, I love that when you work with women and you talk about awareness, you're talking about not just that gut feeling, that bad feeling that we get, but also using all your senses and that you're also relating it to specific situations because without the situations, it's just awareness. So I love that mm -hmm. you're doing all three of those things. And I can so relate to that feeling of like, <laughs> I hope I never hear from you. I hope that all the only stories <laughs> I ever hear are this didn't feel right. And so I did this and nothing happened. That's what we want, right. man. That's what we're after. Right. That's just awesome. Oh, wow. What a great conversation. <laughs> Yes, I love this. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> wanting to wrap it up at all, but I do have a couple, <laughs> a couple other questions for you. So what are the most common misconceptions or false beliefs about personal safety that you encounter? That it has to be physical. Like if I'm talking about personal safety, I must be talking about how to throw a mean right hook. Like... That to women, when I, it is kind of funny. I'm like, yes, you're right. That would be great. Like, I would love to be a really, like, have that physical aspect. But there's, it's like the iceberg. 
You know, yes, the physical might be above the water, but the situational awareness piece is what's below the water surface that we don't see. There's so much more that we can teach you to help you feel empowered. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. That's actually why I created the Born to be a Badass Prep School was to address everything else that you can't do hands-on. I love that image of the tip of the iceberg because that's the part that everybody (laughs) notices and sees. Right. Okay, last question. Well, penultimate question. How do you think that women can develop their own personal power and courage? Do something that scares you just a little bit. Like step outside your comfort zone. So if taking a self-defense class scares you, go do it. Just do it. If it doesn't even have to be in self-defense or the situational awareness realm, if there is something you've always wanted to do, a place you've always wanted to travel, start making the plans and do it. My favorite quote, and I'm a quote person, so this says a lot because I have quotes everywhere in my house and in my office, but my favorite quote is, courage is relaxed by delay. And I just love that. Every time I'm scared to do something, I say that quote, and then I just do it. Just take action that first step. Can you say the quote again? Sure. It's courage is relaxed by delay. I'm going to have to ponder that one for a while. (laughs) Yeah, that's a deep one. I always, I always, it, it is. And if you think about it, sometimes we, I always use this example because inevitably at the end of the night, I'm like, tomorrow I am going to eat so healthy and I'm not going to cheat and have lots of cheese or whatever it is. I'm going to eat super healthy tomorrow, right? But I'm going to go to sleep first. And in the morning I wake up and I'm like, "Ah, maybe I can still add this or maybe I'll have a little extra cheese on my, you know, eggs in the morning. And so if I, if I would just start and commit right away when I was feeling most motivated, it'd be good. But the more I delay it, I'm like, ah, eh, meh, I can put it off. I can procrastinate. Yeah, that's great. I'm definitely going to be mulling that whole concept over for <laughs> the rest of the day. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, this really is the last question. So... When you reach the end of your days and you're dead and gone, what would you like to either read on your headstone or put on your headstone or be said of you at your memorial service? That she was kind to everyone. That she didn't judge you, where you came from, what you did, who you were. Nothing. It was, are you a good person? Okay, let's hang out. Like I, I just think kindness is needed so much in this world. And one thing with self-defense and situational awareness that I think can get lost sometimes is that you still can be kind and have firm boundaries. I love that. Gosh, I think we're going to have to have a follow-on interview a little further down the road because there's a lot more to talk about, but this has been just a wonderful exploration of 
what you do and situational awareness and so much more than that. I'm so grateful that you came onto the podcast and took the time to be here today. So thank you so much, Kelly. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It was a, you know, if you can't say yes with a hell yes, you probably shouldn't be doing it. And when you asked me, it was a hell yes. (laughs) So thank you for having me. Oh, great. So listen, I want to uh, allow our listeners to find you online. And also if there's something that you would like to share with them that they could download or read or see, can you just share right now, like what you have that they could use and how they can follow you? Sure. No, thank you. So I'm primarily on Instagram and Facebook right now, and you can follow me there at the Diamond Arrow Group. My website is thediamondarrowgroup.com. And actually on Twitter, it's actually my name. So Sayre, S-A-Y-R-E underscore Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y. And then I also am on LinkedIn and I have a situational awareness for women kind of private group where I try and share tidbits about situational awareness and how it can apply in your career. So kind of how do you learn to trust your intuition and apply it in advancing your career or making decisions involving your work life? So that's another place. If you connect with me on LinkedIn, I can definitely invite people in. And I do believe I passed on the travel safety tips sheet that I put together. It's kind of like a one sheet of simple, easy to do travel tips before, during, and after a trip, whether it's work or personal. So definitely that's downloadable on my website. And I think you'll have the link, Cynthia, or we can add it. Yes, I'll, I'll put uh, all of your contact info and, and links in the show notes. Great. Yeah, no, that would be great. And those are the best ways to reach out. Um, but yeah, and, and for any of the listeners, if you have a question, I love meeting new people. <laughs> I love having conversation and, and getting to know people. So definitely feel free to reach out and don't be shy. All right. That's great. Well, thank you for listening to the Born to Be a Badass podcast and our wonderful guest, Kelly Sayer. Stay safe and be a badass. You've been listening to the Born to be a Badass podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode and be sure to share it with your friends. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and a review. Tune in regularly for more exciting insights and wisdom on women, violence, and safety. And until next time, embrace your inner badass.